0: We are in uh, the second part of a series this morning. We're calling the series "Preparing for Christmas Advent 2015," and and what we're doing is we are kind of linking ourselves to the revised Common Lectionary for the next uh, few weeks. Last week and the four four weeks of Advent, and so uh, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter three, verses four, five, and six. Did that? Luke 3, 4, 5, and 6. Um, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. And so today we're talking about preparing the way. Last week was, we talked about longing. This week it's preparing. Next week, anybody know what it's going to be? Patience. So a little, little, just seed there for what's coming. And so uh, the, one of the things we've been hitting on already in this series, and I just want to say it again, is. When we go through Advent, we are remembering that Jesus Christ came into the world 2,000 years ago. But that's not all we do. Jesus came into the world, but we also remember that He's coming again. And part of Advent is our longing for Jesus to come again and to live lives that are being shaped by Jesus coming again. So we are in this current age and in the coming of Jesus, the kingdom broke into this age. And we are living in this in-between time right now, in-between the ages where His kingdom has come, and yet we long for it to come in fullness. Okay, We long for His coming. And you see that all through the New Testament, this longing for, the Jesus, for Jesus to come, and we're going to be talking about that. Today, it's preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. We want lives that are prepared. And I've, this week, I've thought a lot about you know, life as a story. And I think that's going to be kind of a a motif through this uh, uh, message. I I hope it will be. something that you actually understand. Um, uh, And and until you've actually stood up here and tried to do this, uh, you you know (laughs) it's 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 kind of hard sometimes to make sure that actually gets across. Uh, But I've thought about life as a story. And mostly, I'd like my life story to read like, uh, uh, Jamie had an incredible life lived happily ever after, and then it got better and better and better, and one day he died. But life's not like that, is it? You know, and it's really not even a good story. It just was like, Duh. you know, it was always just better and better, and then he died one day. Actually, good stories have a plot. Good stories have an antagonist. There's, there's a black hat guy in there. There's a, there's a bad guy in a good story, Right? You know, and in a good story, don't you just find yourself reading or watching a good story and you're like, no, no, don't go in that door. Don't go down that hall. Don't go out in that open, dark field alone. No, what are you thinking? You know, and so even the good guys, they make bad decisions and they get in trouble and, you know, that's, that's the way a real story works. And it helps us to think about God's story. You know, we're part of God's story. You know, and this, it's this, Wonderful, beautiful thing where God, He's a creator and He sets the stage in creation and He creates a, a scene for us, you know, the, the heavens and the earth and the land and the water and, you know, and so He builds this incredible scene. It's like a stage for people to walk out on. And then He begins to put, put animals and all kinds of live creeping things and all this stuff. And then on the sixth day, three days of putting live things into this creation, He creates man and woman, male, female. He makes us people in the image of God. And he then rests, but it's not like lazy boy rests. It's it's like he rests and he's watching to see what are we going to do. And it's our creative interaction with the world around us that makes the world what it is. You think about it. God's sitting there looking. He says, I want you to name stuff. I want you to rule. I want you to exercise my authority on the earth. And I'm going to see how this thing's going to... More creation is going to happen. More kind of good stuff's going to happen. And so you see farming. You know, I mean, farming. Think about farming. It's like you got dirt, land. I'm speaking not as a farmer, but I know the general concept. But just think how things flourish and are better because people till the land and... Plant stuff and put things in straight rows and harvest it and, and it's better because we do those because we are interacting with the earth in that way or business or families or relationships or all these different things. It's culture. We make, we make our families better. We make our lives better through the way we interact with one another. We make our city better. We make our nation better. By the way, we interact with life around us. Uh, somebody told me about this book this past week by Jer- Jerem Barr. It's called Being Human. And he identifies three things about truly being human that we think, that we love, and that we create. That's, that's not bad. Think, love, create. You know, so we're, it's like we are participating with God, we are writing a story that. Has yet to be written with God. It's not like we're robots, you know, and just, and just, you know, I fall down the steps, so oh, I got that over with. It's, it's not like that. It's like we participate with God in writing a beautiful story. And, and it has plots in it because of our choices sometimes and other people's choices in our lives, right? Does that make sense? Are tracking with me? So God wants this story to unfold with Him together. And our disobedience in the garden just kind of shows how it's the part of the story where we exercise our, our freedom to, to live life uh, disconnected from God. You know, we can do that. We can, we can pull in, in our minds anyway. We can do that. We pull back from God and live an independent life from Him. And so God started a, me- a rescue mission, comes to a guy named Abram makes all kinds of promises about how the world's going to be changed through his family. makes the promise. and, and there's ups and downs all along the way after Abram, Abraham, Abraham his, his name gets changed too. and people are doing some good stuff sometimes. People are participating with God sometimes, but then sometimes they're just running from God. They're rebelling, and there's ups and downs. The prophets come, and they make all these promises about Jesus coming, the Messiah, who's going to come onto the scene. And all through this, there's disobedience, there's pain, there's misunderstanding of who God is. God says, I want to be a husband to you. And people are like, ah, don't speak to us. And it's a story. It really is a story. And at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, there's a prophecy where Malachi says on behalf of the Lord, see, I'm going to send my messenger who's going to go before you and then suddenly the Lord's going to come to His temple. And so the messenger then is John the Baptist. And that's where we get where we're at today in talking about this passage. Prepare the way for the Lord. And so Jesus comes into the world and he shows us what life on the stage is supposed to look like. Not that we wear robes and kind of walk around with a few disciples, you know, but that we live life connected to God, whatever our vocation is, you know, whatever we're doing. You know, we're a roofer that's living life with God. We're, we're, we oversee the, the, you know, all the stuff it cooks that, that Dennis does. We're a nurse, you know. We're uh, you know, a real estate agent. And we do that stuff with God. We're a doctor. We're a school teacher. You know, We do those. That's our vocation. And we walk that out like Jesus would walk it out. And we want our lives to be shaped by the coming of Jesus into the world and by the expectation of Him coming again. And that's the way we live this story. We kind of write this story with the Lord as we go through life. A story's being written one way or the other. Blank pages are being filled in. See, so that's what's going on. So prepare the way for the Lord means to prepare our hearts and lives. If I was going to say it in one sentence, it's this. God wants us to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ by living creative and fruitful lives of love. I've just got this phrase going in my heart in mind today, in, in my spirit, just yesterday. I, I don't know how it got there, but just that we are writing with the ink of love. We are writing these stories. That's, that's ultimately what Paul's going to say to us as we go through these four Lectionary verses, uh, passages for the day. So let's look at the first one. This is about how to prepare and live in this story. First of all, number one, we learn from previous chapters, the the, the the chapters of the past. They shape us in this story. So Malachi, chapter three, verse one through four. Turn and read along with me. Malachi, chapter three, verses one through four. I always like to. Open my Bible, even, well, it's up here, but it kind of discourages you from doing that. Okay, turn that off, and everybody's going, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord that you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And He will purify the Levites and will refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah. And Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by. As in former years. Okay, so... In this first passage, there's some shaping stuff here for us, for sure. You know, all of this stuff—it's not like it; it just goes away. There's still a—you know—when we talk about the refiner's fire, you know, anybody—I I always had such gentle, tender pictures of that because I grew up kind of in the Lord back in the early '90s, and uh, there was a song called "Refiner's Fire," and it was real tender. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire. It's real tender and gentle. But if you look up images for refiners' fire, what you see is glowing hot, burning, you know, stuff that's being poured out of something, and it just and there's fire when it hits things, you know, it's it's intense, right? And so what's going on in a refiner's fire? Well, here's the process: you gotta have ore, and then the ore is broken up. You know, so anybody know there's breaking that goes on in our lives? You know, it's like. That's part of the journey. And I wish that was all that happened. But that's not the end of the story. Then the broken up ore is poured, is, is is dumped into the crucible where it's heated up really, really hot. You know, so you get in, you're in the crucible. There's a reason why it's called the crucible. I feel like I'm in the crucible, you know, there's a reason for that. And so then it's heated up real hot, and then the dross, the impurities start to come to the surface, and those things. We all have them. Nobody's immune from this. Everybody has, you know, it's like, uh, I I wish I could write my own story without the refiner's fire in it, but it does not work that way. It just doesn't. We go through stuff. And so the dross comes to the surface. It's, it's cleared away and then it's heated up some more and it brings up even more impurities. And the final result is that the person who's doing this can see his image in the gold or in the silver. Think about that. So that's what the Lord's doing. He's, he's, he's bringing the refiner's fire in His presence. And when He comes, He comes and He makes things right. He, he, there's a judgment that happens just in His presence. He, we see in ourselves things that, that need to go. How many of you know there's stuff that needs to, to go? Man, it's like that attitude... That forgiveness, that unforgiveness, or that, whatever the the issue is. And um, when the Lord comes, even in measure in our lives, we sense that. And He lets us know what needs to, to, to go. He lets us know what needs to go. We are disciples that are being transformed into the image of Christ. That's what our destiny is disciples transformed into the image of Christ. And so we want to be people that allow that work to happen in our lives so that we're not bummed out when we see Jesus. We want to be happy to see Jesus. We want to treasure Him. And, and as we treasure Him, it's like we get greater clarity about things that need to go so that we're not caught off guard or bummed out in His coming. Or even the idea of talking about this, you go like, I don't, I don't really want the Lord to come. You know, because I'm, things are going well for me right now. It's like we need a bigger vision then of Jesus. We learn from these previous chapters. The next one, then, roll the clock forward 400 years. Go to Luke chapter 1. John the Baptist has been born. His father, Zechariah, has been mute, silent for nine months. He's been thinking about stuff, probably, right? He's got some time to think, can't express himself. He's able to finally speak. The baby's born, and out comes this a song. Verse 68, Luke chapter 1, 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He's come and has redeemed His people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, who He spoke about through the prophets long ago to show mercy, verse 72, to remember His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham. Here we are in the story again. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. To enable us to serve Him without fear amen, in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God to the by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. So, wow. So, Zechariah comes. He's taking this whole thing a little bit further here. And he's saying... Yes, son, you're going to prepare the way and you are going to, what's happened here is now we can serve God without fear because of the Messiah who's coming and you're proclaiming the way. You're preparing the way for him to come into the world and you're going to proclaim salvation, the forgiveness of sins. You're going to proclaim the tender mercy of our God and sunlight is going to come and shine on us where we've been groping around in darkness and he's going to show us how to walk in the path of peace. And that's good news. That's, we learn from that, those chapters, and we want to order our lives that way as well. So then roll the clock forward another, I don't know, 25 years. When did John start his ministry? You know, a little bit before Jesus, probably 25, 26, 27 years forward. And, you know, it's in the 15th year of Caesar Tiberius. This is Luke chapter 3, verse, I'll just read again from verse 4, 5, and 6. A voice of one, Calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley filled in, every mountain made low, the crooked roads made straight, the rough ways made smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So what is he doing? He's preparing the way. He's, he's saying everybody's going to see this salvation that's coming through Jesus. The question then is, what does this mean for our hearts? How do we, how are we impacted? How are we affected? As our hearts are being made ready by what has happened in the past, how do we shape the story that we're writing because of what's happened in the past? And you know one of the things that hits me is that we are always being squeezed from time to time. You know, just squeezing happens, you get squeezed, and what's on the inside uh, you know comes out. Is it love and grace, peace, life, forgiveness, hope, or is it? You know something less desirable, something uh, hurtful, something that's that doesn't speak of the kingdom of God or the way of Jesus. You know all those things are happening. That's all part of the drama of the story that's being written, and it really is. You know, it just you could think I'm the most boring person in the world. No, there's a beautiful story that's being written in your life. Everybody's got a story that's unfolding. You know, and we don't know the impact of, you know, that, that we have in the big picture. And the question is, will we partner with God and prepare our hearts and let our life be a, an unfolding partnership with God that's writing something beautiful into the world and helping to make things right in the light, on the path of peace. It sets us up. All that sets us up for how we look at the future. And that's what we want to talk about next. That's the preparing our hearts for the story is also about the future. So let's look at the chapters ahead by going to the final passage in our reading for today, which is Philippians chapter 3, excuse me, Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. Now let me set this up this way. In Acts chapter 16, Paul ends up planting a church in Philippi. Okay, this is how that happened. He was going one way, then he has a vision. And he sees a guy from from Macedonia from Greece going, Hey. I don't know. They he said, Hey, come over here. But something like that. Hey, come over here. And so he knew that was the Lord. And and he said, We've got to go to Greece. And so they go to Greece. They end up in Philippi. And they get to Philippi, and what happens? So in Philippi, they go find a place of prayer. Where they find a bunch of women praying. I was encouraging Pam this morning. She was telling me how exciting Wednesday morning women's prayer is, and I've been in there even though it's women's prayer, and it was exciting. And uh, I was like Paul that day, you know. But uh, but uh, so Paul goes and finds a place of prayer, and there he meets Lydia, and her heart opens to the Lord, and she says, you know, can I receive this Lord? Basically, and, and Paul says yes, and so she she becomes a believer, and her whole household is baptized. And the church starts meeting there. Well, then stuff gets stirred up in Philippi, and then Paul gets thrown into jail. This is a common occurrence. But, you know, in the middle of the night, he and Silas are praising God like we all would be doing at midnight, right? Glory to God, you know. And then the place is shaken, chains fall off, jailer's about to kill himself. And and Paul says, wait, stop it. And he goes, what do I do to be saved? The jailer. And so he leads him to the Lord and then his whole household. So basically, a church gets started in this whole process and now Paul's writing back to them. And this is what he says. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you, for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. Isn't that great? From the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And here's the first of two references to Jesus coming again. That he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains defending and confirming or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, and that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Okay, so wow, Paul's given instruction to these guys that he's got this church started and now he's saying, this is how I want you to live as you look forward to the coming of Christ until the day of Christ, right? And the first thing he says is, I'm confident that what God has started in you, He's going to carry it on to completion. So as we're writing the story of our lives and preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ, and we go... Oh man, is God gonna finish what He started in me? Can I write this story with confidence that God's gonna do it? And the answer is yes, yes, you can. You can write that story. This is the way it's gonna look in 2016. God is going to finish what He started in my life. He is not leaving me behind. He is partnering with me. I am partnering with Him, and it's gonna be good. It may not be without trials. It may not be without hard times, but it's going to be good. He has good in store for us. And we sang it in the songs. Ross read it in the call to worship today. He is good and what He does is good. He's a Father who loves us. So we can count on Him in that way. That He's going to finish what He started. The second thing though, he says, is as we're looking forward to the coming of Christ, what do we do? Well, I'm praying, Paul says, that your love would abound more and more. And not just like emotionally experiencing love, which which we need to do. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about love and never experiencing love. I experience it, but he says, I want you to do more than that. I want it to be like wisdom being worked out in your life that you would work out love in all of your relationships and the way you do life, the way you live, the way you think about the world around you, that it would be marked by love. And when your life is marked by love in that way, here's what happens. Then you're able to discern what is best. Okay, It like brings supernatural wisdom in us because what love does is it shapes our desires. It shapes what we desire. I am marked by the things that I love and treasure. I always want Jesus to be first. Sometimes, though, He's not. You know, I let things creep in there. Anybody ever... Just had any other. We don't call it idolatry. We say something just kind of creeped in there. But it happens. We're human. It's the it's the part of the plot line. It's it's. Don't do that. Don't go down the hall. Don't open the dark door. door. And we do it. And it's a bummer sometimes. But then we we come back to him, and he's good because his he's shaping us in his love into what is best so that we be pure and blameless as we're looking forward to Him coming. And when we do that, the fruit of righteousness starts flowing in our lives. And you look over there and there's, there's some stuff. Grapes. Right? And so, I, I can't make that stuff happen. I, it, i can 't make it happen, but as i 'm living life in him, fruit happens and and it it's amazing you know, and it brings glory and praise and honor to God when we live this way um, you know so there's all kinds of writing that 's going on as we think about our our lives and the story that we 're writing as we 're anticipating him coming again we want uh We want our lives and our writing to be shaped intentionally so that when some story comes along in culture, it's on TV or on the movie or something, if we don't intentionally write our lives in light of God's love, then and and have our lives marked by his wisdom, then we are just sitting ducks for whatever hits us. Whatever's on the TV. Whatever's on the marketing. Whatever's on the social media. We are sitting ducks for our attention just being sucked into that thing. Unless we're being intentional. Does that make sense? It's just absolutely huge. We are moving into a future. We are walking toward a future and we are creating all along the way. And Paul's saying, let it be marked by love. That kind of wisdom that's brought in that way, we do it. I'm going to keep coming back to this phrase: "With the ink of love." You know, we don't think journals and pens that much anymore. But even our ty- those somehow those those uh, those images if we could think about them somehow being marked by love. You know, we're writing an, an unfinished story. I, I got to hear uh, this past week a guy. He was speaking at a church that we planted up in Denver called Park Church. The guy's name was Nate Wilson. And he writes fiction, and he was just emphasizing how we're all writing a story, and it just really impacted me, you know, that we're constantly writing. And he said, you know, sometimes it's so hard to sit at a computer screen and just have to type out dialogue between two characters that don't exist; they're fictional, you know. And to can you imagine doing this, typing out dialogue, it's kind of a funny thought, you know. And uh, Kim and I were—I've just been. Meditating on this, we were walking yesterday on a three-mile walk, and and Kim, uh, I said, "Yeah, this is the scene right now. We're on this walk, and we're walking, and dialogue's going to happen." And, and she goes, "I think that's a dead bat up there in the sidewalk." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I, I think it is." <laughs> and then. That and then I said that was weird. Uh, Jamie replied, but it was, it was it's cool though. But it, it's cool to think about life like that. That's that's what I want us to get here. Is that we're doing all this. So one mom came up to Nate and said, I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't I couldn't sit down at a screen, start writing dialogue. And, you know that's, whew, that sounds really hard. He goes, Oh wow, you're doing something much more difficult. How many kids do you have? Three. Okay. Three kids. You're setting the scene. You're creating memories. You're writing dialogue all of the time. Said, I am too. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? So, yeah, so all those mornings around the table, talk, just giving some God space, that was kind of the setting. Act 2900 or whatever, you know, of times we're talking with our kids, working through stuff. And that's what's going on with our lives. We're all doing this, all of us, you know, all the time. I know I'm writing a story, uh, but I, I can't always see the big picture. I, I had a birthday this week. Uh, I had a birthday. Thanks. Thank you. And uh had a birthday. And uh, you know, Facebook, I, I don't do a lot on there, haven't really used it much since the spring, but I went on and had all these, you know, uh Some of you guys and some very close friends and some less close friends uh, say happy birthday to me in uh, wonderful ways. And uh, a couple of them help me to see that there's stuff being written in my life that I don't, I just don't know all the implications of, you know, honestly. Uh, Dr. Shane Holland uh, wrote, uh, some of you guys remember Shane was here for years and and, uh, lives in Lexington, Kentucky. Does that sound right? Lexington? Uh, So... uh, now and uh but but Shane said you know Jamie I I can't think of myself disconnected from the things that you spoke into my life I'm not I wouldn't be who I am without that interaction without our paths having crossed in that way and I thought man you know that is a beautiful expression of community you know like I I'm not who I am apart from the community that I live in I've so been shaped Donna, you've been shaped. We've we've been shaped together. You know, all these, all those years of, you know, living life together. And, and so it's, it's our interactions like that that it's, it's a complex story that's being written. You know, just as we interact with the world and with relationships around us, you know, it's not even just the story I'm writing and the dialogue that I think I know about. It's other stuff that happens that I don't even know about. I had another guy write an old friend from a long time ago, Chad Speck. So he went here when we first started the church you know, years ago. He was a high school student. He was a great football player. Ended up going to Clemson on a scholarship. Played safety. Was captain of the football team for a bunch of years and got out and went to law school and started a, a sports uh, agency where he's an agent. You know, like, uh, the, uh, I'm thinking of Jerry Maguire, but he's uh, just uh, better. <laughs> His life's better than that. And... Loves Jesus, and he said, "Hey Jamie, just want to wish you happy birthday, and I'm just so thankful for that day, August 26, 1990, back at the South Lake Church, and you were preaching the gospel, and that's the day I received Jesus into my heart and life. Just want to say thanks. I don't think I, I don't think I knew that. You know, I can't remember. You know, it's just like wow. And the point is, sometimes we find out about those things. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we know." Sometimes we don't. You know, It's okay. But the story's being written. And the way we prepare our hearts in looking for the coming of Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Um, what happens is when we leave here, we get these encouragement times like this, but the point is we want to be people who live this way all the time, not just when we're here on Sundays or in our life groups, right? So, we want to be a dentist, That's, that's making things better. You know, I want to be a mom that's making things better, a dad that's making things better. I want to be a, you know, just whatever my vocation is. I want to live life living the story of God, writing in the ink of love those things that He would have me write and dialogue and that kind of story so that we can prepare the way for the Lord and let all mankind see His salvation. We are riding with the ink of love. question is, what's it going to be for all of us? What's it going to be for, for me? What's it going to be for you? What's it going to be for our wonderful church family? What's it going to be for our city, our neighborhoods that we get to impact for all these kids and lives around us? May it be the fruit of righteousness that ultimately leads to the praise of His glory and right with love, right? Y'all stand up. Okay, we're going to just respond to the Lord here a bit. And I think that the Lord's got a few things that are uh, just ways that we can respond today. Um, So, worship team, ministry team, come on up. Just if you're visiting with us, we always take just a couple of minutes at the end of the service to just pray and respond to the Lord. So today we want to just respond in our hearts to the Lord. Okay? Thank You, Lord. Yeah. So Father, I pray that You just make us sensitive to what You're saying to us as individuals, to us as the church in this place today. Help us, Lord. I just want to say, if you're at a place in your story where you're going, man, it's pretty hard for me to write with the ink of love right now because of whatever reason, then I just want to ask you to let the story change today. Turn the page. Get some prayer. Get some help as you're thinking about what could be different. If it's hard to write with the ink of love, get prayer. And maybe you're feeling a bit of the refiner's fire today. Then I just... Sometimes it helps to have some other people alongside of you praying. Just Lord, would You help us in this today? In Jesus' name. Help me to have a breakthrough even as as hard things are happening in my life. In Jesus' name. And, uh, And maybe this is for somebody too. If you're at a place where you need a love breakthrough, where you need to turn the page, if you need a love breakthrough, it's like I've been hitting this wall and it's time to turn the page then I just want to ask you to get prayer, and I know that today there's all kinds of needs that I don't, I don't know about. But don't leave today without getting help. You know, getting somebody to pray for you. It's just, it's a good thing when somebody just places a hand on your shoulder and just prays for you in the name of Jesus. That's a good, that's a good thing. So Father, meet us today. Give us grace to respond to you, to come running to you, Lord. Mark us in the pages of our life, the pages of our heart that have yet to be written with the ink of Your love. Do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Whatever your need is, come on you guys. Be bold with God. Press into Him. Get prayer if you need prayer today. Amen. Thank You, Lord.